morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we are continuing our study in the book of 2 Timothy. And I am excited to get into this here. I'm really excited for tomorrow because tomorrow we're going to hit on 2 Timothy 2.15. And that's just, just one of my favorite passages. But today we're going to be in uh, verses 12 through 14 of 2 Timothy chapter 2. And that is, it's really a, well, I mean... It's the Bible. It's all really good, isn't that right? It, it, it's the Bible, and I just love being in God's Word, and I hope that you love being in God's Word too. So before we really get into this, I want to remind you of what the purpose of Shouts of Grace is. And I've I, I've heard this uh, from a lot of people that they've they've added this into their devotions, and I, I'm really thankful that you've done that, that you've added it into your devotions. But I do want to remind you, it's not to replace your devotions. And everybody who tells me that they've added it into their devotions is quick to tell me they haven't replaced it with their devotions. If, if you've replaced it, your devotions with Shouts of Grace, well, you haven't told me that. Because you probably know that, you know, once every month or so, I'll make sure to tell you, don't do that. Be in God's Word. God's Word is important. You need to be in God's Word daily. And the idea of shouts of grace, well, it comes from this concept from, uh, well, from the, the, the prophets here in Zerubbabel, who was called on to go and to finish the work of building the temple. He had laid the foundation, but he was called to go and to finish the work of building the temple. And that meant that he had to do it, but he could only do it, God said, with a shout of grace. He would do it with a shout of grace. And so God has a work for you to do. I believe that. It tells us that in Ephesians 2.10. He has good works for you to do. He wants you to walk in it. And as you walk in them, the only way you're going to be able to complete those good works, those tasks that God has given you to do, is with a shout of grace. And so I really hope that this podcast connects you to God's Word and helps you to dig deeper into God's Word. But let's get into 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I'll start reading in verse 1, but I want you to pay careful attention to verses 11 through 14 today. And it says this, starting in verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself in the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer an evildoer, or excuse me, suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they might be able to obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with the eternal glory. This is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of their hearers. 
Now, it starts off here, and it says in verse 11, this is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. Now, this is important to understand. When it goes and it says that this is a faithful saying, the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy, this is a faithful, this is a sure doctrine. This is a sure doctrine. This is, this is teaching that you need to latch on to. And I love this, this, these next statements that he goes and he makes because he tells Timothy, look, this is what you're to be teaching your disciples. This is a sure doctrine. This is a, a sure, faithful saying. Grab onto this, Timothy. And then he goes and, and teaches him very simple things, tells him to teach very simple things. And now they're simple, but they're impactful. And the first one is, is that if we died with him, we will also live with him. Now, of course, what is this talking about dying with Christ? Well, this is going and saying, look, if we crucify our flesh, put our flesh upon the cross, or in another way going and saying, if we repent of our sins, leave our sins behind, leave the old man behind and become a new creature, we will also live with him. There is no one who has ever been saved who has not been confronted with the message of the cross. And the message of the cross is one that says, look, here is death. You see, we use the cross so much as just a, 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 a decorative instrument today. And, and I understand why. I'm not against using the cross as a, as a decorative instrument, but we need to understand truly what the cross is. It's not a decorative instrument. It's an instrument of death. That's what the cross is. And anyone who's confronted with the cross is confronted with the message of being bid to die, to die to self. There is no one who has ever been saved who has not come and said, look, I can't save myself. I'm dying to myself being my savior, and I'm turning towards Jesus Christ. I'm removing, I'm moving away from my sin, and I'm coming towards Christ, and I'm clinging to him. That's the message of the cross. Man, that gets me excited. It gets me fired up right there. Hopefully that gets you fired up in the morning too. But if you have died with him, if you have heard the message of the cross, and you've accepted the message of the cross, then you will also live with him. The next thing that it says is in verse 12, if we endure, we will also reign with him. There is a promise that comes with endurance. Now, of course, what is this idea of endurance? It's, it's not just, just merely the idea of, man, I made it through by the skin of my teeth, but it's the concept of enduring hardship, enduring suffering, but not because we chose to sin, but because why? We chose to obey Christ. The Apostle Paul just got done in the verses before saying how he was he's chained up. He's in prison for the sake of the gospel. He's enduring hardships. Now, I'm sure there were opportunities for the Apostle Paul that, that people came to him and said, look, if, if you just come and you say, you know, I'm not really about this Jesus thing, and, and, and you just walk away from Jesus, you know, walk away from what he said. It, it, it'll be okay. You can get out of your chains. You can walk right out of here. Just say you won't preach Jesus anymore. But no, he endured. He endured. 
And there's a promise that comes with that endurance. That promise is that we will reign with him. That literally means being co-heirs with Christ. You will be a co-heir with, or excuse me, not a co-heir, although that's true. It's stated in another place in scripture. It means that you'll be a co-regent. You will be a co-regent with Christ. Now, Christ will be king. He's going to be above us, but we are going to literally rule and reign if we endure. There is a promise here that he is going to delegate authority to you if you endure. Isn't that cool? Just stop and think about that. Christ and his kingdom will go and delegate authority to you so that you can take part in that kingdom ruling under the regime of Jesus Christ. Wow, that's cool. That is cool. But then it says, if we deny him, he also will deny us. Now, this word deny here, it means to reject him, and it's a continuous action. It's this idea of saying, if you refuse to repent— See, repentance is necessary for salvation. Now, it's not the idea of, hey, I stopped doing this sin, so therefore I'm saved. That's not what it's saying. That, that's not what I'm saying when I'm saying repentance is necessary for salvation. But it's this concept of going in and saying, look, I'm choosing to believe in Jesus, and that is a moral decision. And as I'm choosing to believe in Jesus, it is going to naturally then flow to where there will be repentances of a moral change. You become a new creature. There's something that changes in you. Salvation is free, but it will cost you everything. That's the concept here. And if you don't have that, if you have this rejection, this refusal, this, this refusal to go and to repent, well, what's going to happen? Well, it means you're not saved. It means you're not saved. And so, therefore, he's also going to reject us. Now, this next one, it goes and says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. If we are faithless, this means to believe not. Now, th th this isn't going in saying, look, if you don't believe in Jesus, he's still going to save you. This isn't a verse about universalism. But rather what it's saying is, is that there are times when we might not believe Jesus. We might not, we not, might not believe our faith isn't, isn't where it ought to be. We not, might not believe that he can do what he said he's going to do. And sometimes that leads us, well, every time it leads us to failure when we are not believing that Jesus can do what he says he can can do, but our choosing to believe in that moment or not choosing to believe, our, our activating of that faith or not activating of that faith in that moment, it doesn't change who Jesus is. You need to understand that. Even when we're not believing rightly, Jesus is still the same. He's still faithful. He's still trustworthy. That's what that word means there. He is still trustworthy, and it's because he can't deny himself. He can't change he can't. He's unchanging. He's immutable. He is who he is. He's not going to change. So, therefore, we need to understand that even though we have a part and he has a part, when we don't do our part, it, it doesn't mean that it changes who God is, but it just might not get the result that we want. There's a promise here. There's a promise there. And then in verse 14, he goes and it says, Remind them of these things charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of their hearers. 
you know, this is important to understand. Remind them. Remind them. Always remind. It's a continuous action here. Always remind them of these things. It's charging. It's serious here, Timothy. Charge them before the presence of the Lord. Don't strive about words to no profit. Because that brings about the ruin or the demolition of the hearers. It's important that we understand what are weighty issues and what are not weighty issues. You know, so many people, and this this gets, get, oh man, this gets used wrong so many times, but yet there is some truth to it. We had a major on the majors and not minor, or and we need a minor on the minors. We can't major on the minors. You know, we, we look at that concept. Now, there are so many people who will go and say that, and then they go and they don't focus in on, on the majors, and they just throw doctrine out the window. Well, that's not what, what we're talking about here. I mean, this is in a list of doctrine. And then there are people who say, oh, yeah, we have to major on the majors. And then they, you, you know, go and they find a pet doctrine and it is the the end of the world for them if you don't agree with their pet doctrine as to what it is. But but this is the important thing. Are, are we, first of all, understanding that we need to die with Christ so that we can live with him? Do we realize that we need to endure with Christ, endure difficulty, and stand strong for Christ? You know, there are so many people who have these little pet doctrines, and yet they never take any public heat for Christ because they never stand out in public. But if you go and you talk to them about this tiny pet doctrine, my goodness, they'll argue with you for like 15 hours. If you're like that kind of a person, stop it. Stop it. You know, be about Jesus and then walk it out. That's that's uh, that's the idea there of enduring and continue to walk it out. And don't deny him. And remember, even when you fail, he's still who he says he is. God doesn't change. So therefore, you really ought to activate your faith. These are the simple, simple things. And you know, if we come back and we see these simple things here, we come to find that then we can grow the, the smaller doctrines from this foundation, and it can be in proportion to where it needs to be. I'm not saying other doctrines aren't important because they are important. Every doctrine ultimately is important, but these are the core ones. If you don't have these ones... You don't have these things. Well, you don't have much, and you certainly don't have Christianity. So you need to have these ones. Well, thank you for listening today, and remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. You may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. But even in darkness, we hold to the promise There's nothing we can't overcome So that war you've been fighting will end in God's timing Sing like the battle's been won Then you feel it, the song that is rising Then you can't help but let it out If you're trusting in faith Yet 
and believe it, the work is already done.